Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracing. And I am Corbin Hiller. And uh, if you're listening to this, you know, the first week of the NFL season is just about to wrap up. This episode's coming at you on Monday, September 14th, but we're recording it the day before, the 13th at 10.30 a.m., so no games have happened yet outside of uh, Texans Chiefs, so if you don't hear us talk about the games, they have not happened yet, so we have nothing to say. Um, but man, I am I am ready. Are you ready? I am so ready. I am irrationally excited for this uh... I'm excited to watch football on cable again instead of some questionable streams. Uh, so I'm very excited. Real high definition, no buffering football. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. I, cable buffers now. I don't really know. I don't remember. Well, I, I use so streaming funny. channels for, for cable. So like I watched the Texans Chiefs game on the NBC Sports app. So there was still buffering, but... At the same time, it is what it is, and it was a game I wanted to watch, but like didn't care about much because it didn't affect my personal team. So, I believe it. But I don't think, generally speaking, cable buffers, so you should be fine. It's uh, like part of me is like upset that I don't get to watch the Steelers because they're playing on Monday, and you know it's the first Sunday of the football season. I don't get to watch my team, and then it's like, no, I get to watch my team on Monday night football to open up the season. That's fantastic. Oh, I remember the Jets opening up on Monday Night Football against, I think, the Lions, like Sam Darnold's first game, and I hated it because, like, everybody played before us, and we were debuting our new quarterback, and it was, like, like made Sunday such a, like, a fucking tease. I hated it, but I guess as long as you, you, you get something to stimulate those, those NFL synapses up in the mind space, you're all good. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're playing the Giants, so that's pretty fun. Easy win. Like, Quinn's a Giants fan. Her whole family's a Giants fan. Everyone I know who lives around us are Giants fans, so it's nice to, uh, you know, have that little comp- competition. So, yeah, that's either going to go really well for you or really poorly for you, and I think oh the God. odds of it going poorly for you are much higher. Oh my God! If the Steelers lose to the Giants to open up the season, uh, I would. I would. I don't know. Like it's 2020, so it's like I really shouldn't expect otherwise. But at the same time, like fuck, that would be the worst thing ever. Well, let's talk about some football. So, so this is the stats episode. I don't. Neither of us came locked and loaded with any like big overarching stats topic that would take up a whole episode. So we're going to kind of be popping uh, and dancing around a few different subjects here. So I figured we'd go ahead and since we're starting, as we're talking about the NFL, I figured we could just start yeah. with the, the one NFL topic that, that I did have prepped. Um, prepped being used kind of loosely. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the Texans play the Chiefs. It's the only game we have to talk about because it's the only one that's happened so far. Um, what did you think of the game? Uh, I It was really exciting because it was the first game of the season and because of the excitement of having these two superstar quarterbacks. At the same time, it was really concerning watching how poorly both offensive lines just kind of just couldn't really get it done. You know, offensive line is a position where it's 
very much weighted towards, you know, unit cohesion instead of, you know, individual players stepping up, whatnot. So seeing how much both struggled out of nowhere or out of the gate, I should say, was concerning because I feel like that's going to be the case for a lot of people. And it may just end up being that both defensive lines are just phenomenal, which could easily be the case. But that being said, ooh, this is going to be a, a rough season for quarterbacks if uh, if this is the way it's going to be for most of them. Um, I never focus on offensive. I, I noticed Kalechi Osemele playing way better than he played with the Jets, but I didn't really pay attention much at all. For it was honest. just hard not to notice how dominant the defensive lines were. Well, that's true, especially with um, how bad – the Texans offense is outside of men named Deshaun Watson. Um, well, actually, um, David Johnson did have a good game, but I, uh, the, the four sacks on Deshaun Watson were pretty stunning to see. Um, as a combination of, I guess, literally everything with that game, uh, the Texans, I don't think, are going to be very good this year um, based on at least one way too early game of worth of predictions, but that's basically what we're here for. So uh, I wanted to talk about the Kansas City offense, if, if I may. Sure. sure. So, because one of the things that stuck out, and granted, like, I don't watch a ton of Chiefs games last season just because as it, as it happens with all things sports-related, um, I watch my team's games, and then that takes up so much of my time. I tend not to watch other teams' games and just keep up with, like, stats and box score stuff. Um, so... My impression of the Chiefs' offense last season might be wrong, but I didn't recall them running the ball as much as, as they, they did. Um, it feels like they ran the ball in this game last, uh, Thursday night more so than average that you would have gotten out of them in 2019. Did you feel that, or am I am I off base? Um. I'm going to be honest, I saw a really cool tweet that I got distracted by like halfway through you saying that, so I missed the actual question itself. All right, so two-parter. One, what was the tweet? Share with the class. And two, um, did you get the impression that I got, which was the Chiefs um, running the ball more than they than they typically would have in a game last season? Um, last season, yes. Just because Damian Williams wasn't exactly, you know, he was a good running back. The Chiefs usually keep a balanced offense, but at the same time, they were extremely, not extremely, but they were more pass happy because of, you know, that was so much more effective than running the ball. Um, but, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire was so unbelievably effective last night. Um, that they were able to utilize him very well, uh, just straight up running the ball. They really didn't pass to him all that often, and they were still effective enough to, you know, be able to utilize him in really only one facet of the game and just hand him off the ball, and that was that. And honestly, it was more effective than them passing. That's how they good actually he was. didn't. They actually didn't pass him the ball at all. He had zero receptions, yeah. which is fucking crazy to think about. You know, he had what, like 130 yards, 138 yards. He did have two targets. Sorry, I should say he did have two targets on zero receptions or zero receptions on two targets. But he had 25 rushing attempts for 138 yards and one touchdown. 
which is crazy to think about that he's only gonna get better because goddamn like that is uh you know something that he does so well that's why he was so widely sought after and thought to be you know the guy for them man this offense is unstoppable i honestly like just looking at him like now that they have such a perfect fit at running back for them i just don't understand how they're gonna yeah. be stoppable and that's kind of what I what I was really going to be getting at with is the fact that their running game again I understand we have looked at one single game but I want to talk about football Corin wants to talk about football so exactly. I understand it's one game but you know back the fuck up so um so if you look at their 2019 stats their their average rushing attempts per game um so in uh 2019 they had a total of 375 rushing attempts. So if you do that, just divided by 16, just straight up, that's 23, 23 and a half rushing attempts per game. All right. It's pretty fair. Last, mm-hmm. last, I keep wanting to say last night. It was not last night. Last Thursday, they had 34, which is a full more than over 10 more rushing attempts per game. Or, or in in one game, and again, I understand it's only one game, and it was a very effective game for the for the rushing attack. But still, like if that if they can scale it down, if if or if if given an increased sample size, it goes up to being just like five more per game. We're looking at a a, a bigger, a larger share of touches going to running backs because of the improved quality of their running backs, which could eventually take pressure off Mahomes. Not that he needs it, but I mean, my God, because you look at his passing stats. First off, another thing that stood out to me, zero rushing attempts for Patrick Mahomes last... Uh, I keep wanting to say last night. Fuck. Thursday. Zero. Like, that also is a show of a good rushing attack because they don't need... Um, they, they, Patrick Mahomes is, is able to hand off the ball readily and, and his, his running backs are capable of finding holes very effectively. He, uh, uh, he also is able to... Shows a good offensive line. He's able to get the ball out and doesn't have to hang on to the ball and then scramble. But... Zero rushing attempts from Patrick Mahomes, 34 rushing attempts from the rest of his offense, and then 32 passing attempts for Patrick Mahomes, which is also a, a, a less than his average passing attempts from last season, too. So last year, he had 484 passing attempts um, in 14 starts, which is an uh, average per start of 34.5. So still very much still within the wheelhouse, 32 versus 34.5. But if if you take away his need to rush, which I'm not saying he has a need to rush, um, a lot of it comes from. Oh, I guess typically you rush because you do need to, unless you're Josh Allen and think you're speedy and white. Uh, but <laughs> Pat Mahomes last year had 43 rushing attempts as a quarterback, 14 starts. It's just about three per game. So if you take that away, you take not only away, um, not only do you transfer the rush attack from your quarterback to your running back and by extension, you're you're taking away responsibility from someone who can do something well and putting it on someone who can do something great or at least very well, right? So there's 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 a a an economic difference between those two those two points. There's a marginal advantage um, yes, or comparative advantage. Economics. Yeah, there we go. Uh, in 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 transferring the, that responsibility over, but you also take away more possibilities of Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes getting getting hit, getting hurt, or even just taking away the wear and tear. You know, that's one of the things that's really kept uh, 
I hate to say it, Tom Brady so healthy over his career is he never really rushed the ball much. Granted, he's not good at it. He's very slow. But he also, say, like, but he also doesn't have to. You know? Yeah, I think what makes Pat Mahomes special, though, is yes, he has the athletic ability to run the ball and be effective when he runs the ball. But the way he uses that skill as essentially a scrambler, like he's not out there, you know, Kyler Murray with, um, you know, planned runs, you know, they're not doing a ton of, you know, RPOs. It's basically just when the pocket collapses, when the pressure gets there, he's able to move up in the pocket, move out of the pocket, scramble, and use that athleticism athleticism to gain yards. Um, and honestly, you know, like there were a couple times where he got hit with that pressure from the Texans D, but you know, I think he was sacked twice, maybe three times. Um, but man, like he, he could have been, you know, Pat Mahomes was sacked once. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm looking at the box score. I thought Justin Evans, I want to say got two sacks. I'm I'm looking at the box where it says he got sacked once. Oh, uh, he got two tackles, one sack. Sorry, Jacob Martin. Um, regardless, yeah, he probably could have had a scramble or two in the game, but at the same time, it didn't need to happen. And honestly, with Pat Holmes of all people, he's the kind of guy I want to have his eyes downfield as much as possible during a game, and not have to worry about tucking and running. Yeah, I, so and I, I, I hate that we're talking about this with literally one game sample size because it's like Mahomes isn't going to scramble once this season. He's just not going to run the ball anymore. They're going to hand the ball off 30 times a game. This, that, this, that. It's like, it's like the game script. We have no idea what their actual game plan was, how they had to change it to you know utilize what the defense was giving them, what they're going to do moving forward. It's just... Yeah, part of me is like, oh, it's fun to jerk off one game and just go to town with it. But at the same time, it's like, we, we don't know anything. Well, what, what I think is exciting and why I brought it up is that I, I think they are going to like run the ball 35, 40 times a game. And I think that's somehow not going to detract from Patrick Mahomes' abilities at all. Or not, not his abilities, but his, his, his opportunities at all because of how much of a phenomenal passer he is. And that this balanced... An already pretty well balanced Chiefs team, I think, is somehow getting more balanced, um, and is just like this could be a fucking ludicrous. I mean, and that's the thing is like we're already talking about a really, really good offense, and I'm I think it actually is could potentially if we treat this one game as as something we can hypothesize off of. I think it could actually get better, which is nuts because here we have the Chiefs who ran thirty five times. And Pat Mahomes still had 32 pass attempts, 211 yards, and three touchdowns for a passer rating of 123.3. Like, yeah. fuck. Like, I, I don't think they'll be running, you know, 40 times a game just because that's insane and you don't want to take the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hand that often. But if there's a game where they go up early, which, to be fair, is very much likely when it comes to the fact that this is the fucking Chiefs, and they're going to play, you know, this off, or they're going to be up this often. Um, yeah, 
why not? You know, I could totally see it happening. Um, that being said, I, I just, I just want to, I just want to watch more football, Josh. Oh, I'm I'm right there with you, buddy. I am right there with you. I just want to watch more football. I I can't wait for future weeks when we have more to say. I uh, I don't want to overexhaust this topic because I will. <laughs> you better believe it. Um, and sorry if most of it's nonsense. We are just very excited for football being back over here. Um. All right, then let's 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 uh, hop, skip, and jump on over to the next minor minor stats related topic that i had um and this is more so this is more like fun fact territory than it is really stats territory i guess um what's his name fucking hell uh god damn it josh jose abreu uh is on a fucking tear this season um i would also like to point out that i have called the Chicago White Sox is being a good team, being being almost almost there for for a while, and yes. I, I they are now there, and I want to take full credit for doing this. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome, Chicago. That's good. Yep. Just, just to read his stats real quick, I mean, it's a banana season. Uh, he he's he's he played in 40, 45 games. He has 35 runs, 59 hits, which leads the American League, 12 doubles, 15 home runs, 47 RBIs, which leads all of baseball. He has 11 walks, 39 strikeouts. He has 59 hits. He has 39 strikeouts. It's fucking nuts. His batting, his batting line is 319, 364, 627, good for an OPS of 991 and an OPS plus of 165. And he has 116 total bases which is the most in all of baseball. But one of the things that I think is interesting is uh, Jose Abreu is from Cuba, and he is number number six on the list of all-time home runs hit by a Cuban player. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he just this this season passed uh, Mini Minoso, and last season he passed uh, Ioana Cespedes. Um, there are actually two, well, if we count Jonas Cespedes, there's three active players in, on the top, in the top 10, uh, Jose Abreu, Jonas Cespedes, and Yasmani Grandal at 147. Um, but yeah, Jose Abreu's 192 home runs is sixth most in MLB history for a Cuban born player. And I want to know, is it possible at some point for Jose Abreu to lead the list. And it's an interesting question. So number five, Maybe. number five is Kendris Morales okay. at 213. He can be passed. That is only 21 more home runs. Mm-hmm. That could happen next season. Mm-hmm. Same thing with uh, Tony Oliva, who is number four on this list, 220 home runs. So that is only 28 more home runs than Jose Abreu. Again, something that can happen next season. Then numbers one, two, and three. Number three, Tony Perez, 379. Jose Canseco, 462. And Rafael Palmero at 569. So a 300 guy, a 400 guy, and a 500 guy. So do you think that Jose Abreu, who is currently 33... Oh, never mind. (laughs) He can't do it. Uh, 
I was doing the math I, in my head as you were saying it, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, like, you could probably get, like, another 100, you know, 150 home runs. Oh, yeah, no, he's not getting 300 home runs. All right, okay. so let, let, let me rephrase. Do you think he could end up at number three over Tony Perez? Yes. He would need, he would need 287 more home runs. Let's say he averages, like, 35 home runs until he's – 36. Uh, so that's what? We'll say four seasons. That's 140. How far is he behind? Uh, oh, shit. I just had it up and put it away. Um, Control-Shift-T's, Josh. Control-Shift-T. He's 187 away. So that's like five seasons of high-level baseball of 35 home runs averaging. I think he could do that. I mean, we see Nelson Cruz at 40 doing it. Yeah, which is fucking bananas, man. Right, like, yeah, I get that that's the exception, not the rule. But it's possible, and that's the question. So is it possible he does it? Yeah, sure. Is it likely? No, probably not. But it's possible. Why not? You could have one great season next year where he hits, like, 45 home runs, continues on this tear. You know, a great season after that where he hits like 40 and then he's allowed to taper off a bit. And if he just plays for like five, maybe six seasons, which granted six seasons when you're already 33 is quite a lot. But I think he could do it. I I am so excited for everything that has to do with this Chicago White Sox team. I am so excited for Jose Abreu, but I am also I was not expecting him because I wanted to see like, you know, I know he's a little bit of an older dude. I, I did not realize he was 33, um, but I knew he was a little bit of an older dude. And I, so I wanted to see where he landed on this list of Cuban born players. I cannot believe he's number six. Like, it just seems so. How are there not more? How is he? How old is he when he uh, 27 debuted? Right, so like he he's far why, behind too. Like, yeah, that that's why it feels like he should have. That's why it, I, I felt like he was younger than he is because oh, he yeah, debuted always. so old. Actually, Rafael Palmeiro. Not- did he play overseas or was it just a long time in the minors? Um, so I feel like he played. Like he didn't spend a ton of time in the minors. It was just you know he'd started way after, way late. Uh, so he didn't. He didn't really spend any time in the minors that I can see. No, again, nothing significant anyway. Um, it was really just he was just playing in Cuba. Like his his last season. Oh, right, right, um, right. in in Cuba was his age twenty five season from twenty twelve to twenty thirteen, playing for the um. I'm going to butcher this. Cienfuegos, um, of the yeah. of the 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 Cuban National League or Cuban National Series. I guess that's the name of the league. But yeah, that was his 25 season. Then in his age 26 season is when I was, I'm assuming he was in the minors. And then he debuted in Chicago in 20, uh, his age 27 season. I forget that Cuba and U.S. relations haven't always been ideal, to put it uh, mildly. Yeah, it, it's one of the, the wackiest parts about baseball because there isn't a good posting system for Cuban-born players to play in the U.S. That's why most Cuban-born players in Major League Baseball have gotten to the U.S. via very sketchy circumstances. 
Like, Yasiel Puig human trafficked himself to America. Mm-hmm. Like, he pays, like, a Cuban mafia gang. Like, uh, uh, I don't even know what the right word is. A bribe every now and then to, like, so that they don't, like, come get him and take him back to Cuba or some shit. Like, there's some weird... I might be misrepresenting the story, but there's, like, a weird, like, dark alley thing behind how um, how Yasiel Puig got here, which I don't like no no shade on Yasiel Puig. Like you do what you got to do, but like it it has to be like to keep them like if it's true like to keep them from like doing something to his family in Cuba because I can't imagine like some gangsters showing up to a fucking like Cleveland Indians game being like all right Yasiel where's the fucking money Lebowski you're coming with us and throwing him in the trunk and just like well Prince do you, do you door just like waving goodbye like. So long, Yasiel. Have fun in Cuba. Do you, do you remember when he was in Los Angeles and his home was getting broken into like all the time? Ooh, damn, that's a good point. Yeah, like his his home was getting broken into like all the time. It, uh, it happened during the World Series. Yeah. All right. You know what? The Soviet-backed Cuban gangs, man. I just. They're tougher than uh, you would think at first thought, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, it, I certainly wouldn't want to fuck with them because I'm a, again, middle-class white boy from New Jersey. And I'm saying this about, you know, a, a multi, multi-million dollar superstar athlete who, uh, like, if they came for me, like, what am I going to do? Be like, no swiper, no swiping, leave me alone? Like, That's exactly you know, what you should say to them. I think that would translate very effectively. Um Real quick, Rafael Palmero, not in the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, that's really surprising. I I just assumed he was. So is is he? He doesn't have any significant portions of time missing, so I wouldn't have assumed he because if he if he was, I would have assumed he would have been suspended at some point. Um let me just read out his stats real quick. Uh Rafael Palmero, 71.9 career war. Four-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, two-time Silver Slugger, one-time Major League Player of the Year. He played for 20 years. Um, three with the Cubs, um, seven with Baltimore, and ten with the Texans. I mean, Jesus Christ. He uh, he finished his career, as, as said previously, 569 home runs. Um, his career slash line is 288. 371, 515, good for an 885 OPS and a 132 lifetime OPS plus. Um, and again, the all-time home run leader from anyone born in Cuba. I, I'm surprised he's not like in the Hall of Fame. 71.9 career war is a lot of them. Yeah, no kidding. Like, damn. Anyway, sorry. Um, all right. Apologize. Sorry, Raphael. I, you, oh. deserve, you deserve to be there. I yeah, wish you the makes, best. That makes more sense, yes. I, I just wanted to give a quick update on one of my bold predictions for the MLB season because I still can't believe it's actually on pace to come true. Shane Bieber has 102 strikeouts in in seven starts. I think he's almost a lock at this sorry, point. 10, get, sorry, 10 starts. 10 starts. To my get bad. to 150. Yeah, like, I what, mean... he 43? 40, I forget what number you said already, but... He has 102, so he needs 48 more. Yeah, like, get out of here. So, Come like, four, four good starts, five fine starts. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
damn. And especially because Cleveland, I don't think they're like at a risk really for not making the playoffs, but I'm sure they don't want to do any more slipping and sliding than they uh, already have. And I'm sure that they're going to want to try to make, make a big push because right now as it stands, Cleveland's not losing. Like Detroit's four games under 500. Kansas City's 10 games under 500. But Cleveland is only two games back, two and a half games back, a game and a half. How does math work? Two and a half. They're two. They're two and a half games back from um, fucking the Twins, and with 14 games to go, it's very attainable for them to possibly anyway to pass them. So because of of that increased desire to push, you might end up seeing Shane Bieber making maybe an extra start on short rest or something to that effect. So I I think this could actually happen. I expect it to happen and I I I'm here for it. You know what? You predicted the the strikeouts, I predicted the Shane Bieber. Uh we're in this together, bud, whether you like it or not. Um ah god I, I wish, as much as I love Mike Clev, somehow we could have swung, you know, the Padres could have swung a, a twofer. Like, hey, throw in Shane Bieber and we'll give you, we'll give you, we'll give you Paddock. He's been pitching great this year. You Indians would love this kid. But I'm pretty cool, man. Pretty, pretty neat. Well, you know, the sad part about that is that the, uh, the Indians probably would have turned Paddock back around and really fixed this shit. Yeah, I'll I'll take that chance for Shane Bieber. Oh man, the Indians uh, would anyway. literally hang up. They wouldn't say anything to that. They would just hang up. The- oh yeah, no, they wouldn't. They they absolutely would not entertain <laughs> entertain a Shane Bieber for Chris Paddock trade. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so I was looking. So I I all right, I'll start from the beginning. The MLB is moving to a bubble system. For the playoffs, they're going to have the American League teams all play in San Diego, and they're going to have the uh, National League teams all play at in um, the Rangers Stadium in uh, in Globe Life. I think it's technically in um, Fort Worth. I don't think it's in Dallas. Actually, I'm not. I'm not even confident in that anymore. I'm just going to say Texas. It's it's a small enough state; people will understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, and then after the uh, league series are over, the AL teams will join the NL teams in Texas to play the World Series. Um, so I was trying to figure out which teams would be most disadvantaged based on short home runs hit, but I had a hard time because it's not like that's not a very easy thing, I guess, for me to 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 do because of just my I don't know lack of. Stackcast searches this season <laughs> due to the shortened year, um, mm. but I did want to bring up a few fun home run things that I found because I thought you might find them nifty. Ooh, I love nifty things. Okay, Corwin, what do you think is the shortest home run hit this season? Fuck, uh, two sixty-five. Where do you think that's leaving the park? <laughs> I don't know, like some short porch, you know, whatever, 360. I don't know. I don't know park dimensions well. <laughs> so the sad thing is you weren't that far off, but like yes. I just didn't expect that answer to come out of your mouth. 
Because I think the shortest... I could be wrong, but I think the shortest foul pole is the pesky pole in Fenway at like 293. Oh, okay. Okay, that's not bad. Or maybe it's maybe maybe they call it 300, but I know Didi Gregorius hit a 293-foot home run right around the pesky pole. It's not far away. Uh, the shortest home run hit this season was by Austin Hayes of, I think, the Orioles. Yes. 284 feet. Damn. All right. I was closer than I ever expected to be. Jesus. You know what the How? craziest part about that is? It was a straightaway center. What? That's right. It was an inside the park home run. Oh, uh, right. That is Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> Same thing with Jacoby Jones and his 293 foot home run, uh, also an inside the parker. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. At, at, at one point, it's like, yeah, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, but now it's like, oh, now you're fucking with our stats. So get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I know because like I'm looking at these. Like, so the next one, Christian Yelich, 319 foot inside the Parker. Like it. So the shortest one that I see here that actually left the ballpark is 328 feet from JD Davis. Um. It looks like they were pitching or they were playing um, in. Oh, shit. What team is that? Who's Austin Bryce? Austin Bryce. It sounds familiar. I don't. Who the fuck is Austin? They were because he was playing Austin. He hit it off of Austin Bryce. It's got to be someone on the uh, for the Red Sox. All right. So this was at Fenway. Okay, that makes sense. So that's the shortest home run that left the stadium this season. Um, anyway, so I also found, uh, I, I also, I guess, compiled a list of the average home run hit in each ballpark and have this sorted by distance. So what is your impression of the ballpark that has on average the shortest home run hit in it? And what do you think that distance is? Uh, I want to say. Kind of a weird question. You know- Fenway would make sense, but it wouldn't. So home run distance, it's calculated by, you know, the projected landing spot, not where it physically lands, right? Yeah, it's something like that. I, th- I think they, they use exit velocity and, and launch angle. Uh, I don't think they, you know, mi- the I think they missed some other factors, but yeah, I think, right. I, think so right. I think they calculate it. In Boston, if it hits the top of the green monster, it's not going to be that 290-foot home run every time. It's wherever it would be projected to land, right? Something like that. I believe that. so. Regardless. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe Yankee Stadium, maybe the Trop. Um, okay. I don't know. I, I honestly don't pay attention enough to field sizes. Other than the stuff I see off him, where like I know where there's a short porch or something like that, or a so low that, wall. That's what's interesting is it's like how much is the field dimensions actually going to matter? Because if you, because like yeah, we see wall scrapers that leave the park in the short porch in Yankee Stadium or the short porch in in Minute Maid or um, around the pesky pole in Fenway, but. If you have big dudes who hit ball far, then the short porch doesn't really play into it. You know what I mean? 
Um, it'll play into it only if you have weaker hitters. So there's a quality of contact aspect to it too, uh, that I think is much, or I think is underrepresented when when talking about it. So the Yankees, or I guess I should say Yankee Stadium, has an average home run distance this season of 398 feet. That is 11th, uh, 11th lowest, I should say, 11th lowest, not highest, 11th lowest in baseball. The field with the lowest average home run distance is Minute Maid Park, where the Astros play. 380 feet. And I don't think I understand. I don't either. Because, like, like the the next one is T-Mobile Park, uh, where the Mariners play at 390. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Mariners aren't doing well, so I, I I bet when they hit home runs, they're barely hitting them. Uh, yeah, that 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 tracks. Or and then after that, Citizens Bank Ballpark at three ninety one. Like the Phillies are kind of a a mixed bag of of talent right now. Um, and then Great American Ballpark three ninety three. The Reds, same thing, mixed bag of talent, guaranteed rate field. Um, that one is actually kind of odd because the the White Sox have been mashing dingers but who knows man but then oriole park you know and then it, it it's it's a weird mishmash of things and i guess what i'm trying to say here is uh, this feels like what we did two weeks ago i have nothing to say about this i i don't think it matters so the the fields where where baseball will be played in october uh petco park where the san diego padres play is is here tied at like 20th 404 feet is the average home run distance. Granted, Petco has a pretty big field. And then uh, Globe Life Field is at 27th for... So basically, it's in the top five of farthest hit average home runs at 409 feet. So I don't know what to make of that. You know? I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I don't have a lot to say on this, mostly because I don't have a lot to say on a lot of baseball topics. Um, is, uh, I just, I don't... I don't know if it's going to matter. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because field dimensions are one of those things that gets brought up all the time about like why some people are successful and why some people are not successful. You know, like, oh, this team always plays better at home because they've got that weird outfield or they've got short corners or like fucking whatever. But I'm sitting here looking at these numbers, and I'm not sure it matters for a damn. Like, is the because is the because is the fact that Globe Life Field, it the average home run is 409 feet. Is is that saying that the the Texans, not the Texans, the Rangers are really good at hitting far home runs, or is it saying that the only home runs that get hit there go really far and just skew the average? Like it's. It's a funky thing because I have not pulled up enough information. <laughs> and I take full uh, yeah. responsibility for this. No, Josh, I am right there with you. Oh, uh, uh, follow-up question. Which, ho- which, which ballpark do you think has the most home runs hit in it or, alternatively, the fewest? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd Coors Field... Definitely has the most. Uh, it like... does not. What? Yeah, Coors Field uh, isn't like 
it's a not, I know it's like a, a massive field, but you know, it's also a mile up, so I felt like that would kind of just lend itself to that. Granted, I guess the Rockies aren't exactly a powerful, you know, power hungry team right now. Um, well, well, you know, baseball requires uh, certain humidities for baseballs to negate the effects of that. Uh, okay, science. I don't. I don't understand it, but sure, I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah, uh, Coors Field and um, fucking wherever the goddamn Chase Chase Bank Fields um, were the first two ballparks to have humidors to store the baseballs because of the the uh, climate conditions, weather conditions, heat conditions, whatever you want to call it. Um, of where those ballparks are located used to lend themselves to balls being rocketed out of there, and MLB wanted to try to contain that. So now all stadiums have humidors for their baseballs, but um, those two famously had them first. Sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, San Diego? They've been hitting home runs. Uh, That they have, and uh, Petco... No, no, they're pretty far down, I guess. I they're, not, they're, not, they're like they're like they're in the top ten, but out of the top five. All right, Fair all enough. right, all right. Here we go. I have no idea, Josh. Here, here we go. So most home runs hit top five. Um, Angel Stadium, which wouldn't have predicted that at seventy four. Average distance of the Angel Stadium home run four hundred six feet. Great American Ballpark, where the Reds play, 75 home runs, average distance 393 feet. Yankee Stadium, 75 home runs, average distance 398 feet. Fenway Park, 75 home runs, average distance 402 feet. And then the most home runs hit, Citizens Bank Ballpark, 391 feet. Sure, dude. Fucking sure. That's all I got. What a weird mix of... So, like, the Angels, bad. Mm-hmm. The Reds, eh. Mm-hmm. The Yankees, fine. Um, the the Red Sox, bad. And and then the Phillies, fine. And here they are. <laughs> if you look at these these teams, and I understand that this is by stadium, so the opposing t- team is also knocking balls around. But like the sheer. Because like if all the teams were bad, you would go, oh yeah, well like other teams are coming in and just knocking them fucking silly. And if the teams were all good, you go, well yeah, this team's really good, so they're just hitting a bunch of home runs. But it's like a he- I guess it's I guess maybe it's just both. Or maybe if- just baseball's weird, and it's hard for people like us. Uh, I almost said dumb people like us, dumb people like me to understand. Because if you move down two more ballparks. Number six on this list is the Orioles with 73 home runs hit in their ballpark. And then and then San Diego with 72 hit in their ballpark. So again, a yeah. bad team with, who's probably letting up a lot of home runs. And then a good team who probably is just hitting a lot of home runs. How, how wacky. Um, all right. So let me just do the, the bottom five real quick. Uh, the five teams with five stadiums with the least home runs hit inside of them. Globe Life Field, so it's actually six because it's a tie here at five. Uh, Globe Life Field with 409 feet, 46 home runs hitting it at an average distance of 409 feet. And then T-Mobile Park, 46 home runs hit with an average distance of 390 feet. Huge difference. 
then Bush Stadium, where the Cardinals play, 45 home runs, 399 feet. Progressive Field, where the Indians play, 43 home runs, 400 average distance. Minute Maid Park, 42 home runs, 380 average distance. And then the fewest home runs hit is at Marlins Park, which has famously of recent been a huge lack of home runs. Average distance, 408 feet. The number two team for fewest home runs hit in the ballpark, 42. At what? Marlins Park, they have o- there have only been 31 home runs hit all season. What? Yeah. We just had the home run derby there. I know. Oh, fucking Christ. How many games have... Well, all right, so the Marlins haven't played a lot this season. How many games have they played? How many games have the Marlins played? Yeah, at home. Uh, I, don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I know. I know, I know that they're in... information, <laughs> I know that they're, that they're in a playoff spot, and um, I take credit for that, too. Uh, <laughs> but I don't... All right, hold on. Let me look, at, let me look up their, their, their batting split. Let me see if I can find that for you. To help maybe shed some light on this because their batting splits should show um, home and away. Show me so batting splits. 42 games total. They've played only 15 games at home. Uh, do I agree? I agree. Yeah, 27 games away, 15 at home. So yeah, that so, kind of explains so, that. I so guess. get this: fifteen games at home, they've hit ten home runs. Twenty-seven games away, they've hit thirty-one. Yeah, and you might say to yourself, "All right, well, you know, like it's a big ballpark. Zero triples at home, five away." So just just for reference, the. Phillies, who have the most, have 25 home games. The Marlins, who have the least, have 15. So I get why there would be a difference there. But then there's teams like the Cubs, who have played 28 home games and weren't too high on the list. I don't know. This is all over the place. Uh, one thing can be said for sure. How wacky. Yeah. No kidding. Um, ba, 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 ba. yeah, they, well, yeah, they are they are such a worse team. They're such a worse team home than they are away. So they're 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 split by um, TOPS plus, which is which is um, park adjusted and, and set to league average. Yeah, tops. Uh, home TOPS plus eighty six away one oh seven. Oh my god. That's not like, good. It's a huge difference. So, like, they're they're the team batting line for the Marlins while home, 323, 310, 343 for an OPS of 653. They're 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 batting line while away, 248. Oh, sorry, that's strikeouts. 250, 326, 407, good for an OPS of 733. It's 80 points higher away. Uh, again, Josh, reiterating that I'm not good at math, but that sounds like a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, my God. 
Damn. Anyway, uh, thanks, Marlins, for being weird. Uh, the last thing I really have, I think, I don't feel like looking much, is um, a quick conversation about the speed of Mike Trout. Okay. So, Fangraphs has um, speed as one of the stats that they keep track of. So, I'm going to read you Mike Trout's speed. Oh, also, I would like to say, because I've complained about this many times, um, about how Fangraphs has a bajillion stats, but you can't hover over the abbreviations to find out what they are. They have changed this. You can now hover over the abbreviations on Fangraphs to find out what the fuck they're talking about, which is very helpful, because the page is so many stat categories. Um, so anyway, they have a, it says there's a speed score with four component version, but I don't really know what that means, and I do not feel like looking. So Mike Trout, going from 2016 to 2020, ready for his speed score? Yes. All right, 2016, 6.6. This seems to be on the higher end of middle. Um, 2017, 6.2. 2018, 6.2. 2019, 4.9. 2020, 4.1. Wow. So he is getting slower? Well, you know, he's also getting older. And bigger, because I assume he's adding mass to be hitting all these home runs. Uh, I don't know his workout regimen, so it's hard to say. Regime. Um, I got nothing to add here. All right, so hold on. I, I want to read some more Mike Trout stats because this is this is fucking so against my impression of how his season is going. Um, he's walking less as a percent and striking out more than he has in previous seasons. So, 2018 Mike Trout, a walk percent of 20.1. 2019, 18.3. 2020, 14.1. That is... Uh, that's his lowest since 2015. Strikeout percent in 2018, 20.4. In 2019, 20. And in 2020, 23.6. And that is his highest since 2014. Jesus. Yeah, and his walk to strikeout rate uh, in 2018 was 0.98. 2019, 0 0.92. And in 2020, 0.6. And that's his lowest since 2015. So Mike Trout just might be bad at baseball. Hard to say. And the, the thing is, like, you know, he's, his, his line is still stupid. He's still hitting 302, 403, 660, good for a 1063 OPS, which is fucking dumb. 179 OPS plus, or WRC plus is phenomenal. Like, this is stupid good. Um, I, I don't want to like sound any alarm bells because it's it's Mike Trout. He deserves uh, every ounce of the benefit of the doubt. But like it is weird to see these. I mean, I don't want to. I wouldn't necessarily call them underlying stats. I guess per se, but it's odd to see any 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 Mike Trout stats going in the wrong direction. You know what I mean? He's just selling out for power. Excuse me. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, all I of think this I, coincides with his. You know large increase in home run totals and it's OPS and all that that goes with it. And I think he's just selling out for power. I think you're, you're right. Cause I'm looking at his hard hit percent by year and um, 
His highest hard hit percent, according to StatCast, previous to this season, was in 2015, the start of StatCast, actually, at 48.8% hard hit rate. This year, that was his highest, 2015, 48.8%. This year, 57.3. You know what? I think it was an active choice by him once he realized that it really doesn't matter if I get on base because no one else in this team is ever going to drive me in. So I just need to get the runs myself. Uh, you, you might be right. Mike Trout might be like, what good does a walk do me if no one behind me knows how to hit? I'm just going to have to do it all. And the sad thing is, they're still losing more games than ever. Uh, even when they got guys who are good at driving in runs, it doesn't matter. Oh, they got no fucking pitching. You get all the hitting in the world. They've got no fucking pitching. All right. Here's our plan. We're going to get ourselves a superstar that's both an ace-level pitcher and a power monster to put at DH. That'll solve all of our issues in one. And now he can't do either. Oh, um, it, it It's sad because it's like I'm happy the Yankees got Garrett Cole, but... If you're an Angels fan, I don't know how you look at this off this past off season and say that you're happy that you got Rendon and not one of Strasburg or Garrett Cole. You know, like as nice as it is to have Rendon, and he's obviously a phenomenal ball player. Like, there's no question about it. Uh, hitting ain't really your problem long term right now. You know, yeah, you, you you got hitting. You've got Mike Trout, literal, actual Mike Trout. You know what you don't have? Pitchers. <laughs> and uh, you need those to win baseball games. Oh, God. Yeah, man, it's... Uh... Josh. Oh, yeah? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were finished. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, because it, it'll be a... If you have anything you would like to add, I would say make it now because baseball's sad and football is exciting. So I think we should should focus on the happiness today and not the sadness of the rest of baseball season. What do you think the team ERA is for the the Angels? Oh God, I don't know. Uh, Four point six seven. Five point one two. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. That's so... What's the Red Sox right now? Uh, Let me check for you. I can get that for you in a second. The Red Sox team ERA. Oh, there's team pitching. Um, oh, 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 no. 6.22. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> Oh my That's god. So bad. Wow. Jesus. All right, so hold on. The Marlins 4.92 and they're in a playoff spot. Wow. All right, the Braves cuz they that feels like they they get by mostly on hitting. They have good pitching, but they get by mostly on hitting. 4.6. Yeah, I mean it really I, I maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on literally actually one single starting pitcher, but Man, the Angels could have really benefited from a handful of good starts here. 
That's that's so not happy. No. Anyway, I have nothing else to say. That's all the things I had. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I would love to get sad about baseball because who wouldn't? That's fun to do. Um, but I just I need to be happy today, and I want to be nothing but happy today. I I agree that it's it's much needed. So shall we call today then? Uh yeah yeah. <laughs> Sounds so sad. Uh, all right. Well, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you want to follow us via email, you can do so at Juicing the Numbers at gmail.com. Uh, we hope all these games are good. We hope our teams win. We hope yours don't. Fuck you guys. And we'll. Uh, <laughs> and until Thursday, <laughs> y'all have a good one. Bye.